0: Good morning. morning. Well, that was weak. Good morning. (laughs) Welcome to Kavanaugh. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? Let's begin our worship together.
1: How's everyone doing? Oh, my goodness. How's everyone doing today? Good? Good. It's great to see you guys this, uh, this weekend. Glad that you're here. Did everyone have a good Christmas? It was an awesome Christmas weekend, and I hope you had an awesome time with you and your family um, and celebrating uh, all that we had to celebrate and our Savior coming. Um, and that hope, hope is alive today. Amen. Amen. Well, again, it's great to have you guys. If you're a guest, I want to welcome you here this morning. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there are some really cool signs out in our lobby. Uh, On this side, there's a welcome guest. If you are a guest, first time ever being at Kavanaugh, or you've been here for a few weeks, and we haven't been able to connect with you yet, we'd love to. Um, So if you will, right after service, just make your way right out this door, and we'd love to say hello and and share with you a little bit about our church. Um, If you have... If you have been coming here for a while and want to know more about our church um, and maybe what we do here and ministries that you can get involved with, or maybe even more about like how can I advance and take those next steps in my faith, there's an information or got questions booth right out here. We'd love to connect with you there as well. All right. Great to see you guys today. And, again, I'm so thankful for you guys to be here. I'm ready to see what God has in store for us today. So I invite you all to stand and we're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and again, I'm so thankful that you've brought us all back together, God. It's been a great Christmas season, and and though Christmas is a day that we celebrate and we we, uh, celebrate the coming of you and what you've done for us, God, uh, it's something that we hold dear the rest of the year, and I hope that we remain in that spirit always and that we are always sharing the greatest gift that we've ever been given to other people, God. But Lord, today, meet us in this place. I ask that your spirit move amongst us as a church and that you touch our hearts, God. I pray that all the obstacles are out of the way and as the word is preached by our pastor, that we are able to focus in on what you have to say so we can become the people that you want us to be. We love you. Your name. Amen. Let's continue to praise.
2: the humble, raise them high, you choose the weak, make them strong, You.
0: Jesus tells us, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in a family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So in order for us to be part of the family of God, we have to have that bondage and that slavery of sin. That debt paid, and Jesus Christ offers us our freedom, and he is the son. So he has the authority and the power to do that. We would like for you to sing with us. Free at last, he has ransomed me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am.
2: who am i that the highest king would welcome me
0: i was lost but he brought me in oh his love for me oh
2: his love for me who the sun sets free oh it's free indeed i'm a child
3: song to rise to you when temptation comes my way
2: when, when I, I cannot, cannot
3: stand, stand i'll fall on
2: you jesus you're my home.
3: my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you.
4: Father, we love you. And we're so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that when we need you, God, it doesn't matter how big or how small the need, that you always come running. And you're our defense and you're our righteousness. And God, I just pray that not one person here today misses that. God, we're thankful to be in your house. I'm thankful for each and every person that is here and those listening online. God, I just, I pray that for every person that has come here with the need, God, that you would just pour into their heart, that they would, that they would do whatever they have to do to let you do what you do. As we come to the end of 2021, God, I just, I'm thankful for new beginnings. I'm thankful for the reminder that we can call on you for anything, and I pray that we would, and I pray that that would just show in the way we live our lives, that we lean on you every day for all that we need. God, I pray that you continue to work in this service and, and change lives the way that only you can. In Jesus' name I pray.
5: Thank you, praise team. Good morning. Glad you're here. Give the praise team a big hand. They did a great job, as always. I'm glad to be back in here for the second Sunday, right? This place has a good feel to it, and, uh, and it's good because you're here, but it's better because the Spirit of God is here. And it's my prayer that God's Spirit would speak to you in a, in a really mighty way. Hey, did you have a good Christmas? Gary, did you have a good Christmas? Did you get everything you wanted? Yeah, there you go. But you know, I, I told Angie, I said, you know, I still like to give gifts, but I enjoy giving them even more as I get older. And just see the response. I got, I got all my kids here today. Give my kids a big hand. They're, they're back. Callie, Callie got up before breakfast and drove in from Waco, and she made it right on time. Just she wheeled into the parking lot right when we were starting. So we had a good day yesterday. Um, uh, my little grandbabies are here, they're, they're tearing up we worship back there. And, uh, and on Friday night, my oldest daughter Whitney set everything out for my two grandbabies for Santa to come. Right? In the living room, she, she had this beautiful display of all the gifts laying there, and they were separated. Ella Jane, our three-year-old granddaughter, and then Archie, the year-and-a-half-old grandson, their, their gifts were all out there. So many beautiful gifts. They were everywhere. And then there was this little bench we had set up that she put up for Santa's cookies and his milk, because Santa always eats cookies and drinks milk after he delivers the gift. So yesterday morning, when Christmas morning was here, we, we all went into the living room. The grandkids in their matching pajamas ran in there, and Ella Jane was first. She said, oh, oh, this is great. Look at all my gifts. Look at all my presents. And Joy, she went right to this little jewelry box and was just oohing and on over that. And here comes little Archie, the one-and-a-half-year-old grandson. He didn't even look at the gifts that were up there he saw that little table where Santa's cookies were. (laughs) And Santa had left some crumbs and one whole cookie, and Archie went right for the cookies. (laughs) He just devoured them, picked up the little silver cup that the milk was in and nothing was in it, and he turned it upside down, and he handed it to his mama to go get him some milk. So He could care less about the gifts. He was after the cookies. He's a kid after my own heart, isn't he? I love it. So we had a great Christmas. Did you, with your family, have a great Christmas? You know what? That, that was yesterday. Christmas is over. And Brother Nathan made the statement, Christmas is really every day. Every day we need to be celebrating the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what this life is about. But the day Christmas was over yesterday. And you know the next big holiday. Now you all think about it because people in the first service said Valentine's Day And that's coming up. Did did you know the displays in the store have already changed to Valentine's Day? But that's not the one I'm talking about. The one I'm talking about is coming up this week at the end of the week. What is it? New New Year's. And so here we are at the end of Christmas, the beginning of a new year, and, and, I, and I'm kind of stuck because I, I don't want to preach another sermon about Christmas. That was yesterday. I, I don't want to preach about the new year because that's for next Sunday. So, so what do we talk about today, this last Sunday of 2021? Well, I thought, well, let's just talk about end of year stuff. Because here's what I'm going to do this week. I do it every single year. At the end of one year before the beginning of the next year, I will sit down and have some deep thoughts, contemplative thinking, I call it, and I will review this past year and I'll write down some notes. Well, you know what? I did this, I did that, but this didn't work and that didn't work. What areas of my life do I need to work more on this next year than, than I did last year? And so I'm giving some deep thoughts to what happened this past year. Do, do, just by chance, anybody? Jason, you're my man. It, if you don't do that, you need to be doing that because you know what? You made some mistakes this past year. You don't need to repeat those mistakes this new year. So give some deep thought to what went on this previous year. End-of-year stuff, clean-up stuff, pick-up stuff, think about my own personal life. What do I need to do different this year to to be a better person? End-of-year stuff, but when I think of of end-of-year stuff, I automatically think of of end-of-time stuff. It's just a natural progression in my thought. Yeah, we're coming to the end of another year, but you know what? We're growing closer and closer to the end of all times. In fact, we are living in the latter times. That's a biblical phrase, and we're going to talk about that today. One of the most frequent questions that I'm asked as a preacher is, are we living in the end times? In fact, most of the people who ask me that question are unchurched people, and I find that very interesting. People who are unchurched, but yet they are very observant as to what's going on in our world today, and there is no doubt we are living in the end times, the last days, and as believers, we need to be aware of the signs of the times. Now, I'm curious about the future, and I have a love for biblical prophecy, and so I often find myself returning to some biblical passages that I'm going to read to you today about latter days or the end times. And know I've said this before you in previous times. I like to say, I am not a latter-day saint, but I am a present-day saint who likes to study latter days. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. This morning, I would like for us to read and study what the New Testament says about the end times. And I'm going to read several passages like this beginning one, which is the theme of our sermon today. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul says. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in, and here's our phrase, latter times, the end days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff And I don't want you to get bogged down today, because whatever we bog ourselves into, we're going to have to swim out of, all right? But what an important passage of Scripture. This passage begins with Paul assuring us that his information is from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself. And he makes this unmistakably clear. In fact, he said, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times— And that word Spirit is a capital S talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, and there's that phrase, latter times, that phrase occurs frequently in the New Testament, and it indicates the days preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is found five times in the New Testament and in all of these passages, it gives us various signs of the times or predictions or clues as to the return of Jesus Christ. So let me surmise by saying this. When you come across that phrase in latter days or in latter times or in times, understand that when the Bible says that, it's about to give you a snapshot or a portrait of what the world is going to look like just before Jesus comes back. Let's look at a few of these examples. Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 3. Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days or last hours scoffers walking after their own lust and saying where is the promise of his coming? So he tells us in the end times, the latter days, here is a snapshot of what the world is going to look like. There are going to be scoffers who mock the second coming of Jesus Christ. Here's another one, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. John begins by saying, Little children, And that's how he addressed the church or Christians, little children. It is the last time or the last hour. And as ye have heard that antichrist shall come, even now there are many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time or we are in the end hours. Now, here's another snapshot or signs of the time. What is it? Antichrist will come. They will worm their way into churches and they will preach a deceiving doctrine. We're gonna talk more about this in a moment, but it is a sign of the time or a snapshot of what our world is going to be like before Jesus comes again. One more, 2 Timothy chapter three, Paul goes on to say, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Guys, I don't know about you, but when I read a verse like that, it it just kind of makes me shudder. It makes me shake. When the Bible says you're about to go through some terrible times, I wake up a little bit because the Bible doesn't lie, and things are going to get a whole lot worse before they get better. Now, if you came today hoping you'd get a feel-good sermon, sorry, (laughs) but it's the truth. He says, mark this down. There will be terrible times in the last days. And then I read this list of signs of the time, a snapshot of what the world is going to be like, and I realize we are living in terrible times. Because look at the description. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. They will be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then he gives these words of admonition, have nothing to do with such people, You stay away from people like this. Now, these passages point out many signs of the times. We have scoffers. We have Antichrist, We have people who claim to be godly, but yet they're not godly. So many signs of the times. But I want to go back to that first passage I read in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It gives us one of the signs of the times that we don't frequently talk about. And that is the coming apostasy that will occur in the church of Jesus Christ. Let's look back at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 again. Here's what he said. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. And there it is. What are they doing? They are departing from the faith. That word depart in other translations is found abandoned. They will abandon the faith. And that is where we get our English word apostasy from. What does the word apostasy mean? Apostasy means to depart from the faith. So here are people following the Lord, they are part of the church of Jesus Christ. But in the last days, right before Christ comes again, they are going to apostasize. They are going to leave Christ and leave the church. In the days before the coming of Jesus, there will be many so-called Christians who turn a cold shoulder to genuine Christianity. And Paul goes on to say, they are going to follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In other words, they will fall prey to people who are themselves being controlled and manipulated by demons. That's pretty serious stuff because these people are in the church. Sherry, throw that verse back up there because it goes on to say in verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Now, these people at one time felt the pain of their conscience, but they ignored the inner voice of conscience, and pretty soon their conscience became calloused or hardened or desensitized, and they lost all such feeling. That brings up a pretty interesting question. How is it that our conscience work? I've had a neighbor previously who, uh, who had a fence that was invisible. You know what I'm talking about? What they did is, is right below the, the surface of the ground, they buried a wire that went around the perimeter of their property. And that wire was connected to the electricity in their house, and it emitted this, this low signal. And then they put a very expensive collar on their dog, That collar's got a beeper and also two little prongs. And when the dog gets close to where that wire is buried, defining the perimeter of the yard, it emits a beeping sound. Beep, 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 beep. And if it's a smart dog, (laughs) the dog realizes "I'm, I'm about to get into forbidden territory. I'm about to go beyond the boundary of where I'm supposed to go. And if the dog continues to go across that boundary, zap, they're going to get a little shock. Now, those of you who are dog lovers, it doesn't hurt the dog. It just wakes them up real good, right? yeah. I, I got a sense of that feeling. Uh, Friday night, we had Christmas down at mom and dad's house, and I gave my dad this really cool gift. It's, it's, it's an insect zapper. Bill, it looks like a, a, a tennis racket, Okay. And you put a battery in it and turn it on, and you can swing it at flies and mosquitoes. And he got to hold of some wasp the other day and, and on Saturday and, and swatted it at those. And they get into that, that, that netting, and it zaps them, it fries them. And so he was sitting over in his recliner after we passed out the gifts, and he put his battery in there, and he was piddling with it, saying, I wonder how this thing really works. And he was messing with it, and he was, Oh! He went like that. And Zane and I were in the room. It it, it interested Zane. Zane got it really interested. So Zane went over there. Granddad said, touch it right here. Touch it. And so Zane, being the scholar he is, reached over and touched it. (laughs) Granddad pushed that button. and Zane jumped back. Now I'm sitting over on the couch, and I think they're messing with me. I really do. I think... (laughs) They're really, I said, thinking to myself, there's, Ron, there's no way that thing is going to zap them like that because they really jumped. And, and Dad said, no, it really does. It, it shocks you. Here, Try it. So he pitched that thing over to me, and he said, now, you got to touch it really tight. T- touch both sides. Really. And I was fiddling. I couldn't get it to go off. He said, no, really press it. And so I really pressed it, and I pushed that but I thought I was in an electric chair. Man, it... <laughs> It really did. It jolted me. Angie was in the kitchen. She said, oh, my goodness. She saw sparks come out of it. (laughs) Literally, it burnt burnt my finger. It woke me up. I guarantee you, look at me. I ain't going to do that again. (laughs) And if it's a smart dog, you know what? They're not going to go over that boundary again. Now, a person's conscience is like that beeping sound of the collar of the dog. It is this inner voice that warns us that we are near a forbidden boundary. But if we keep going and we ignore the beep or we ignore the shock that it gives us, sooner or later we're going to go beyond the boundary and we're going to be on that wide, broad road that leads to destruction. And I think you really know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a place, and all of a sudden you just kind of got this weird feeling like, I don't need to be here? Through the years, Angie and I have gone into several establishments or restaurants, and, and we've got that feeling. You know, something is weird about that we don't need to be here, and so what we generally do is just get up and leave. Or maybe you're around a group of people and and they start doing things and saying things and this inner voice inside of you starts beeping and it says, you don't need to be around these people. Have you ever felt that? Or, Or maybe you're watching TV and you get on a certain channel and something comes on that screen in your living room and that voice says, you don't need to linger on that channel or you're surfing the web on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. And all of a sudden, there it is. And the voice says, go on, kid. Get away from that. Y'all do know what I'm talking about, don't you? Here's the deal. If, if we don't, if we ignore the beeping of our conscience, after a while, you can't hear the beep anymore. And you can't feel the little jolts of warning. And we become seared and calloused and desensitized. Now, now the Bible clearly teaches that in the last days, an apostate church will arise where men and women will be religious, but they will deny several things about the faith. They will be desensitized about the truth of the Word of God. So what is that going to look like? Well, I think as we come to the end of 2021 and the start of 2022, we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware of the signs of the times, and we need to make sure that we don't slip into this apostate church that the Bible warns us of. So what's it going to look like? Well, in the last days, number one, there will be a denial of Jesus Christ. Over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, here's what the apostle John warns us. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Because they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. So here we have this term Antichrist and many Antichrists. What is an Antichrist? Well, an antichrist is anyone who opposes Jesus Christ. And John says there are many antichrists in our world today. They are even in the church. And in the end times, there will be a single antichrist who will substitute himself for the real Christ. These antichrists are not the real thing. They're fake. They're substitutes. They're counterfeits of the real Christ. Now, every once in a while you'll see on TV where there's been this, this new emergence of counterfeit money that's being passed around. Uh, have you ever? Ron, you know about counterfeit money. Pe- people pass counterfeit money out all the time. Usually it's, it's passed by people who are unaware, consumers unaware that they actually have counterfeit money. They, they don't know they're passing out counterfeit money. That, that's why when you go to a store and you pay for cash, pay with cash, sometimes the, the, the person taking the money will, will hold that money up to the light. I just think they're they're messing with me, but they say that you can actually see things embedded in that five or ten or twenty or one hundred dollar bill. It, it's there to prove that it's the real thing. But it's hard to tell something that is counterfeit. Sometimes you have to be an expert to know the difference between the real thing and the counterfeit. The warnings against antichrists are warnings against counterfeit teachers and the beliefs that they are passing out among the unsuspecting. They will come into a church and they will say things that, you know what, it looks like the real Jesus and it sounds like the real Jesus, but they put little twists on it and it's not the real Jesus that they're talking about. Perhaps you saw the pathetic documentary by PBC put together a couple of years ago that purported to trace Christianity all the way back to its roots. They, they based that entire documentary on the scholarship of liberal theologians totally ignoring the the brilliant world of evangelical conservative scholarship. And the end result of that documentary is that they tried to strip Jesus of his true identity and present him as merely a grand teacher who got himself crucified and never really rose from the dead. You know what they're doing? They are denying Jesus And this is nothing new. In John's day, they were doing the same thing. There were people coming into the church denying the reality of Jesus. Some would say, oh, he's fully God, but he's not fully man. Or he's fully man, but not all God. No, Jesus is both. All God, all man. And Jesus is the only way that you can be saved. Today how this is taught, this incorrect doctrine about the deity of Jesus, is this way. People will say, you know what? God is a God of grace, and God is a God of love, and God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God is inclusive. He's all inclusive. And that, that's your warning light right there. That's the little beeper going off. God is so inclusive, he's going to make sure that nobody goes to hell. That's why there are so many ways you can get to heaven. So many ways you can get to heaven. You just pick one of these ways and you can get to heaven because God is so inclusive. No. 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 That's not the truth. There are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. And even though God is inclusive, yes, he is, for God so loved the world, God is inclusive in that he wants everyone to be saved. Christianity is very exclusive because it takes a choice on your part. You have to believe. Jesus said there's only one way to get to the Father And that is through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one is going to get to the Father except they come through me. And anything that says there are many ways, any teaching that says there are many ways to heaven is a false teaching. And it's stripping Jesus of his deity. That is going to be taught before Jesus comes. And you know what? All you have to do is open your ears and look out your eyes. It's being taught everywhere today. That's being taught in a lot of churches today. Number two, right before Jesus comes back, there will be a denial of his return. Remember what Peter said back over in 2 Peter chapter 3? He said, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything just keeps going on as it has since the beginning of creation. So, where is he? They deny the second coming of Jesus. Now, none of us in this room would deny the second coming of Jesus, would we? I mean, let, let me just ask you, and I want a response here. Do you believe Jesus is coming again? Yes. Do you believe he could come today? Yes, we do. We may not say this, where is his coming? But let me tell you, we live our life without thought of the second coming of Jesus Christ. When was the last time you had the conscious thought, you know what? Jesus could come back today. When was the last time you looked up in the sky and said, you know what? That sky could bust open right now and Jesus could come back. Now, I'm not trying to be offensive to you or make you mad or talk down to you, but probably the last time you thought about that is a couple of months ago when I preached on it. We just don't have those thoughts in our day and time. And oh, how things have changed. Because Jason, I hate to use this phrase. Back when I was a kid, you you know you've turned in to your parents when you say that. Back when I was a kid... But really, just a few years ago, when I was a kid, people talked about it all the time. One out of every four sermons I heard preached was on the second coming of Jesus. Just about every time I went to Sunday school, my Sunday school teacher talked about the second coming of Jesus. I heard about it at home. I heard about it at church. People in public were talking about the second coming of Jesus. People were predicting, when is he coming again? And I can remember as a little kid driving around Midland, Texas, in our 63 Chevy Impala that had the big back dash with the big, huge back window, and I was laying on the back dash. We could do that back then. Totally legal. Totally legal. I can remember just as a little kid looking up at the skies going through me. And you know, in middle of Texas, there are no trees to block your view. So I could just see that big West Texas sky, and I saw those clouds. And I remember as a kid, five, six, seven years old, thinking to myself, I wonder if he's going to bust through that cloud. I wonder if he's coming today. And you might just say, well, preacher, you're weird. You were a weird little kid to think things like that. No, it's just the day we lived in. People thought about Jesus Christ coming back all the time. We don't think about it anymore. And that is almost as bad as scoffing at it. Are we living in the last days? I believe we are. One of the signs of the time is people scoff at his coming and Christians don't even think about it. Number three, Signs of the time. There will be a denial of the tenets of the basic faith that is found in the Word of God. Let me take you to Jude, the book of Jude. It's only one chapter. And in verse 4, here is what Jude says. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Again, that's just a passage I read and I, I try to visually see this. Here's somebody worming their way into our church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine some false teacher worming their way into Kavanaugh Church? Or how about this, worming their way into your family or your home or your life? It happens all the time. They worm their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. This was a reality in Jude's day. There were were people that were teaching in churches. They wormed their way into churches, and they taught this doctrine that God's grace is so free and God's grace is so alive, and God's grace is activated when we sin that we just need to keep on sinning to allow God's grace to come into its fullest experience. Literally, they taught that. What is happening in our world today is that, that we have watered down the truth of the Word of God so as not to offend people. And so someone will come into a church and and they'll start watering the Word of God down or twisting the Word of God. And even though it sounds like it's okay, they've, they've twisted the Word of God. That's why, that's why, listen to me, that's why you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you're counting on me to do that for you, and and you're counting on knowing the Word of God just by coming in here on Sunday mornings, you're going to be malnourished in your spiritual life. No, you need to know what you believe from the Word of God and why you believe it, so that when someone worms their way into your life, your family, or this church, you'll know if they're speaking the truth, or if they're counterfeit. And then finally, that leads us to number four. In the last days, there will be a denial of holiness. I'm almost done, but I need to know, is anybody still? Are are we together here? A denial of holiness. Again, a couple of passages. Luke chapter 17, Jesus talks about this. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, Y'all remember what it was like in the days of Noah? Hmm. So will it be in the days of the Son of Man. That is, so will it be when Jesus Christ comes again. People will be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marrying, they'll be given in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Why did the flood come? Because people were living unholy lives. They were living sinful lives. They were apart and away from God, and so God destroyed them because of their evilness. God looked for somebody that was holy, and he only found one man, and that was Brother Noah. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, they were buying, selling, planting, they were building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and brimstone rained down from heaven and destroyed all of them. And again, why did that happen? Because the city of Sodom was filled with evil, perverse, wicked, sinful people. Remember the angels went to Abraham and Abraham tried to bargain with the angel and said, hey, if there's, if there's 40 people, will you spare Lot? If there's 30, 20, 10, 5, couldn't even find 10 righteous people. There, there was only one righteous man there and that was Lot." Right before Jesus comes back, this world is going to be wicked. It's going to be terrible. How terrible? Well, that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, and here's this list, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. They will be ungrateful. They will be unholy, without love. They will be unforgiving, without self-control. They will be brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Here it is, having a form of godliness but denying its power. You stay away from people like that. And just as the Bible predicted, people today are becoming more and more religious and less and less godly. They have a spiritual appetite, but little hunger for Jesus. And I hope you take what I'm about to say in the context I'm saying it in. And if they do, by chance, go into a church in the United States of America, when they walk into an average church on an average Sunday, the chances of them hearing the pure gospel of Jesus Christ is remarkably low. And look at me, church. I'm not saying that to badmouth any other church or any denomination. I'm not doing that. I know this is the fact because I have read the statistics And I know it is true. All over the world there are vast portions of Christianity that no longer guard and love the pure faith of Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches us that at almost any time Jesus Christ could come in the clouds to rapture the church because we're living in these end times. True believers are going to be caught up with him to go into heaven, but the old apostate church will be left behind, and it will be taken over by the Antichrist. So, what can we do about it? Well, I, I think our greatest responsibility in 2022 is to keep our hearts close to Jesus Christ. So, when you have this week where you contemplate the end of last year and the beginning of this new year, you need to think about your responsibility to stay close to Jesus. As I said a while ago, you you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And so as we start 2022, there are a few things you need to be doing, and the first thing you need to be doing is you need to be reading every day the Word of God. So how many of y'all are on Facebook occasionally? I think most older people are on Facebook. I know my dad's on it. Have you ever read posts my dad makes on Facebook? Be careful when you see Will Harmon. Make sure it's him and not me, or me and not him. Dad made a post this past week and and said, well, I've I've done it again. I've, I've, I've completed another year of reading through the Bible. Anybody see that? He's told me this story a dozen times. He started reading through the Bible in 1962. And every year since 1962, my dad has read through the Bible in a year. And the reason he started doing it in 1962 is because his preacher and mine, I was one year old when this happened, Brother Zellers got up on one Sunday morning at the start of 1962 and he challenged the congregation. Read it through in 62. (laughs) Didn't he, Dad? Read it through in 62. Now, my dad had grown up in, in church. If you listened to some of his stories when he was a kid, you would think that he never stepped into a church. Because my dad was one wild child growing up. But he had never read through the Bible until 1962. And he took that challenge from Brother Zellers. And every year since then, he's read through the Bible. That's my challenge for you, church. Read it through in 22. Now, now understand there's a whole lot more than just reading it through, but that's the beginning point. We need to know what the Word of God says. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Why? Because we're living in the end times, and people are going to worm their way into your life and into our church, and we need to know the truth because the truth is what sets us free. So you read the Word of God. Number two, we've got to guard against drifting or backsliding in our own lives. Have you ever read about people who've tried to go around the world in a hot air balloon? Not not recently, not long ago, a group tried to do that, and uh, they, they came around, they were almost to their destination, they had almost made it all the way around, but they hit some stagnant air in China. I thought that was kind of funny too, but for real, they did. They they hit stagnant air, a pocket of stagnant dead air, and they stalled. What they called it were the doldrums, and their attempt failed. You know what? We've got to guard against stagnant air in our spiritual life. We have to guard against the doldrums. And one of the best ways of remaining faithful to God in a faithless world is to bear in mind how very, very faithful God is to us. Billy Graham, in his autobiography, Just As I Am, discusses a time several years ago when he went through a a very difficult period in his own life. His kids were rebelling, they were drinking, they were into drugs and and wild living, and, and things were just horrible in his life. But looking back on it, here's what Billy Graham said. But God was faithful. But God was faithful. And I don't know, that, that kind of sparked something in my mind because I know that my God is faithful. And so, Ron, I, I just did a word search in my Bible to, to see that phrase of God being faithful, and I came across several passages. I'm not going to read all of them to you, but I am going to read a few. And when I come across that word faithful or faithfulness, I want you to say it out loud with me. All right, are you ready? Let's go. God is Your faithfulness endures to all generation. All your commands are, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him who had promised. He who calls you is, the Lord is who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. If we are faithless, he remains He is. And just to forgive us our sins. A merciful and high priest. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your O oh Lord. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a wide horse, and he who sat on him was called Amen. and true. With my mouth I will make known your Amen. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is And I want you to know, church, that in a faithless world, God is faithful to you. So let's make that our determination. That we're going to read it through in 22. That we're going to know the Word of God. That we're going to be observant and aware and not backslide or fall into stagnant spiritual air and We're going to do that by coming to church. How how about this? Every time the doors are open, let's come to church. Let's get around other believers. Let's fellowship with the family of faith. Let's go strong in discipleship and be a better Christian in 22 than we were in 21. And let's remember, our God is faithful. And because he is faithful to us, let's be faithful. Faithful to Him. One last scripture. I love this one. It's Luke chapter 21. Now, when these things begin to happen, what things? Will the scoffers, the antichrists, those who have a form of godliness but deny its power, those who act like they're living a holy life but in reality are not and trying to drag you down into their cesspool of sin, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And that redemption is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus could come back today. We are living in the end times. Signs of the times are everywhere. And there's this feeling in the air Jesus could come back today. My question is, are you ready? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're not getting to the Father except through me. Are you ready? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Guys, I'll tell you this, I'm concerned about all of us. I'm concerned about that row right over there. That's my family. I love these guys, and I want to make sure that they go to heaven, but I can't make that decision for them. I can tell them the truth. I can witness to them. I can pray for them. I can intercede for them, but they've got to make that decision on their own. I can't make it for them, and neither can you. But there's one person that you can make sure that they're going to heaven. You know who that one person is? It's you. You. Because you make the decision. And Freddie, it's my prayer that nobody walk out of this building today or cut off the live feed without making that decision for Jesus. Because you don't know how much time you have. David, literally, he could come back before we say the last amen. The snapshot of what the world looks like right before Jesus, that snapshot is today. He could come back today. So make sure you're ready. If not, we're going to give you a chance to come down and pray with one of our pastors and we'll lead you in the plan of salvation. We'll show you how you can know for sure that you're saved and you're going to heaven. Maybe you're here today and you've got that taken care of, but you've got family that is not ready. Again, you can't make that decision for them, but you can certainly come and intercede for them and pray for them and ask God to be merciful to them and send someone to witness to them and soften their heart so that they receive the good news. So come and pray. Come and pray for our church that we don't allow people to worm their way into the Kavanaugh church and preach a diluted gospel. We need to hear the truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you through your Holy Spirit, would work in our lives. Lord, there, there are people who need to come and pray today. Some need to come and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Others need to come and pray for family members who are not right with you. Lord, the rest of us, we need to come and pray for Kavanaugh Church that we would be a, a light in a darkened world so that people could see Jesus and be set free from their sins. Lord, help us to open up our eyes to the signs of the times. Help us to realize that you could come back any moment, and we need to be living our life in a way that glorifies you. So, Lord, if anyone needs to come and pray today, help them to come. Give them the courage to step out. For those watching online, I pray that they would do the same thing, kneel wherever they are, and get right with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, We don't have our altars in yet, but you can still come forward if you'd like and pray here at the front. Others will come and pray with you, but you need to step out. You need to come. If Jesus is calling, would you come? never before we need you this very hour lord as we end 2021 and start 2022 i pray that we would put you at the very front of our list that we need to know you and make you known that we need to read your word daily hunger and thirst after truth and righteousness that we need to be holy people because you are holy and without holiness no one will see god So, Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to open our eyes to the signs of the times and realize that you could come back at any moment. I pray, dear Lord, that when you do come back, you would find us ready. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Appreciate you being here today. Last week, our first Sunday in this room, I let you out early. Not so today. I want, I want to keep you hopping like you're keeping me hopping because everybody's sitting in a different place, you know? It's kind of freaking me out looking out here. Y'all, many of y'all have flipped, and then we have all these balcony people down on the floor. There is life outside the balcony. You bet. Thanks for being here today. A uh, couple of things. Our black boxes are in the back. There's two of them by this door, two by this door, one right down the center aisle here. That's how we receive our offerings, so if you have an offering to give to the Lord, uh, drop it in that black box. We certainly appreciate your support and your giving through these days. Wednesday night, it's it's common practice here at Cavanaugh Church, the Wednesday between uh, Christmas and New Year's, we don't have... Uh, Service, so we're not going to meet this Wednesday night. If you just have to show up, come on, you can stand out in the parking lot. It's going to be a nice evening and, uh, and and pray out in the parking lot. So the next time I'm going to see you is next year, 2022, and uh, you will have a day and a half of already reading the Word of God through in 22. All right, will we do that together? I'm, I'm going to do my best, Brother Zeller's imitation. Read it through in 22. Let's do that together, shall we? There we go. I want you to know that you're loved. Our staff loves you. I love you. Most of all, God loves you. And he is faithful to you. So let's be faithful to him. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.